0: You are listening to episode 9 of the EU Startups Podcast. Today, with Seed Legal's founder Anthony Rose, who created the one stop platform for the legals you need to get funded and grow your business. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the EU Startups Podcast. I hope you are all doing well despite the ongoing pandemic and despite the second wave of cases and lockdowns. Before we jump into today's interview with Anthony Rose, please let me say a big thank you to our sponsor. The EU Startups Podcast is powered by ShareWorks by Morgan Stanley. Combining cutting-edge technology with outstanding client service, ShareWorks by Morgan Stanley provides solutions designed for the unique needs of startups. ShareWorks by Morgan Stanley simplifies the complexities of equity plan management, helps you engage with your employees, and provides your business with the tools it needs to comply with local and regulatory requirements. As an integrated platform, everything from HRIS integration to audit ready financial reporting works together seamlessly for improved accuracy, collaboration, and decision making. For more information, visit shareworks.com or check out the link in our show notes to schedule a free demo. So, Anthony. Thank you very much for taking the time. My first question to you would be could you give us a short pitch uh, of what Seed Legals is and why did you start it? All right. So Seed Legals is the operating
1: system for your startup. What that means is that if you're a startup, you know, you've got endless numbers of contracts to do, legal questions, uh, questions on investment, how you close a funding round. We want to be the one-stop platform for that. So the platform builds all the legal documents for hiring people, non-disclosures, founder agreements, builds your cap table, um, and does all the term sheet, shells agreement, and everything for a funding round for companies in the UK, France, Ireland, and others to come soon. And importantly, and interestingly for me as a business, you know, I'm not a law firm, but neither I'm the AWS of legals. People have described it as a man plus machine interface, so a seamless experience where the platform builds and does all the hard work, and our team of experts, you know, included, are there on web chat. Our median response time is less than five minutes to uh, answer all included any
0: questions you've got and give any advice. Mm-hmm. And did you start it because you saw uh, an, a pain point in, in your own personal experience? Or uh, what what was the main driver why you started it? Yeah, so it's a
1: great point. So I mean, I've built and sold a few companies, invested in a few, and kind of didn't really think about it. And then a few years ago, I invested in three delightful students who were doing a social networking app. And one of them had written to me saying... Um, that could I have a look at their pitch deck? I'd met this person. I wanted to hire him. He was a student. I couldn't hire him at the time. And now he was doing his own business. So I wrote back to him to say, actually, your pitch deck isn't great, but I love the idea. I'll save you a lot of trouble. I'll invest myself. So I figured if I was investing, then I would also do all the the funding round documents. I'm not going to pay a lawyer for it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I didn't want to be judge, jury, and executioner. I shouldn't be the investor, create the legals, and be the only one who understands what's going on. So I said to them, "I will uh, explain to you. We'll get together, and I'll explain to you all the deal terms." And I expected they would be totally bored. They would have zero interest. And it turned out exactly the opposite, that they were hanging on to every word. And I discovered, I think, three things. One of them, founders, were like really super interested in this and had no idea how it worked. Number two, I realized I was actually quite good at explaining concepts, complex complicated concepts to you know people who didn't know the space and number three i quickly learned the limits of my own knowledge there was a lot of frantic googling of stuff that i just totally had no idea anyway so i did uh, their funding round i discovered a few years later, after doing Seed Legals, that I'd made quite a few mistakes, fortunately, all in their favor, not in mine. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd done myself out of a whole bunch of deal things that I could have gotten, but I just didn't know at the time. But then I met my business partner at uh, Seed Legals, Lohan Lafay. He's a genius ex VC and serial angel investor. And together we thought we'd solve this pain point for all founders.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay, so you're helping founders to uh, raise capital more easily um, in a more uh, transparent way, maybe. Um, but on the other hand, you're also serving uh, the investor side, right? Um, and what is SeedLegals offering to investors, um, and how do you make their life more easier? That's a great
1: question. So when we started, you know, we realized there were three go-to markets for us: startups investors and maybe law firms and we realized that the Uh, You know, like any business, should you be B2C, B2B, and so on? And we realized that the decision-making time for a founder was about 30 minutes over a Zoom call. This is amazing. Where have you guys been all my life? (laughs) But investors, they might do a couple of investments per year. So they would go, this is amazing. Call us in the summer. It's like, well, that's slow. So we focused initially on the proposition for founders. But then we were wondering... Would investors like really hate our proposition or would they not understand it, but it turned out investors really liked it and it became viral We get people emailing me personally going hey, Anthony I was an investor on around the, the platform made like everything closed so much easier. Can you do a demo? so uh, We thought well, that's great and now founders call us and say my investor told me I have to use e-legal So it's like yes, that viral loop is working But we then thought can we take the next step? and create a product for investors. And that's our newly launched deal manager Mm products. So I think one of the interesting things, you know, uh, VCs and funds, and this is maybe, you know, a problem space for all startups, how you break into, you know, larger companies that have always been doing things you know, that way since, you know, 1945 or something. So, um, no, Bob is our GC. He's been doing our funding rounds for the last 27 years. Mm. Um, We're not going to change. So I figured, how do you break into that? So what we figured as our starting point is something that just make it super easy to send your investment proposal to a startup. So instead of, you know, it's Friday afternoon, you're trying to figure out, I need to either take out Word and make, create a complicated term sheet, but no, I can just go to Seed Legals. I've heard about this, and in minutes create an investment proposal, and then the whole thing can close on the platform. And the startup can see a very cool interface of the difference between the deal terms they are offering and the ones the investor wants. And as those close, then the round can complete. Mm -hmm. So, you know, both uh, a simplified way of doing things, but also quite interestingly in the future, instead of trying to agree terms by looking at hundreds or thousands of words of legalese, can you agree kind of key deal terms in a sort of bullet point interface? And once that's agreed, then everything completes
0: more easily after that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So our readers come from across Europe um, and um, not everyone might qualify to raise money through seed legals. Uh, Which markets are you currently serving? Which geographical markets? Um, And can also international investors um, invest, let's say, in UK startups? Or um, how is this international um, cross-border deal-making happening?
1: Okay, great question. So for today, the uh, we only support, or we support UK, uh, French, and Irish law. So mm-hmm. companies in those countries can use seed legals, you know, to create investment agreements and, and build their business. The investors can be anywhere. So mm-hmm. investors, the, it's always the jurisdiction of the company that is the one that applies. So if you're a German or Dutch or Swedish company, We can't help you on your funding rounds and so on yet. It's on our roadmap. But Mm -hmm. there is one secret that not everyone knows, which is that in the UK, funding rounds, early stage rounds, companies raising less than, let's say, half a million pounds, 80% of it is angel investors getting what's called SEIS and EIS tax breaks on their investments. So if you're not in the UK and you're not familiar with this, The UK has one of the most vibrant startup ecosystems because of the tax benefits for individual angel investors. They Mm -hmm. can write off 50% of their investment as a tax break. But it's a little known secret that companies outside of the UK can offer this tax break to UK investors. So if you're a German, Swedish, US, wherever company, you can tap into the amazing UK investment investor market by offering uk investors that they can get their tax deductions even though you're not a uk company Mm -hmm. and in order to do that you have to register as a foreign entity in the uk this costs nothing and takes a few hours on the uk company house website and you need to get what's called advanced assurance to assure your investors that this will work. Anyway, we can help with all of this on seed legals. So Mm -hmm. I think that takes me to the last thing you mentioned, which is a sort of borderless component. So, you know, TransferWise gives you borderless banking, but legals have always been very localised, you know, French law, English law, you know, German, whatever. But actually, when you think about funding rounds, everyone internationally always talks the same underlying concepts. What's my valuation? What's the dilution? You know, will you get invested Director uh, director seat? Will there be investor consent? So if you could normalize it in a set of, you know, simplified terms that could then be translated into different jurisdictions. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what we've built and are building further on seed legals. So, I mean, I am, in awe of it myself, because I don't speak French, but I can go to a French company on Seed Legals, I can see all the deal terms in English, and then the platform will build everything in French jurisdiction, French law. But but sometimes, depending on which documents, some documents are in English, shareholders agreements are usually in English, but the mm-hmm. company articles are in French because of the, the law. So one day we'll be providing boardless legals, and you'll be able to pick companies, you know, internationally to invest in or get investors from anywhere with a normalised set of terms, and that will then lead, in due course, to secondary markets and liquidity as we've no- never had it before.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so you already pointed it out, uh, each European country has slightly different laws and regulations when it comes to corporate law, taxes, venture capital. And I assume Brexit won't make things easier here. Um, What's your take on Brexit and its potential impact on startups and SMEs in the UK?
1: I think founders are always blindly optimistic about everything. Otherwise, they wouldn't be founders, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't give up their day job and a good salary to start up something crazy on this vision. So, for me, I always look for the opportunity in everything, whether it be Brexit or COVID. How can you pivot? You know, so if Brexit is going to, for example, make it harder for UK companies, or they're going to need new contracts. Well, guess what? I'm in the business of making contracts. And mm-hmm. what I do is I spend unlimited capex, so to speak, to crack a problem and solve it in a mechan- mechanized way to offer it inexpensively to thousands of people. So, I mean, I've no idea. You know, Obviously, Brexit is going to greatly affect some businesses. It probably will have little effect and maybe even a positive effect on other businesses. For myself, in a sense, I'm de-risking my own business because I'm live in France and in Ireland with other uh, countries coming up. You know, with the internationalisation, I don't think Brexit is going to change anything. English law is still English law. Nothing changes there. Companies have always wanted to incorporate in the UK because English law is really corporate friendly. It's super easy. I mean, it costs you like 12 pounds to set up a company on company's house and takes you like half an hour to do. In Germany, investors are always complaining, you need notaries. And, you know, it's done like in the same way since 1537 or something. So, you know, Brexit will change some things, but not change others. And I think for the founders and companies who can they're always looking to take advantage of change you know change for a founder equals opportunity Mm
0: -hmm. okay you founded SeatLegals in 2016 and uh, the company has been growing quite a lot since then Um, what were your biggest challenges along the way in those first four years and how did you overcome them
1: great question so I mean I've done a few companies in my past and I think you know, the, for a founder, uh, depending on the founder and their background and what they're trying to do, I think the, what I call the proof point, what's the most difficult thing that you need to solve? And you need to validate that before you spend time on anything else. So our problem spaces include, one, can I build it? Maybe it's technically complicated. Two, can I build a team? Obviously, you need to find other people to be in your journey. Can I find investment? Um, You know, can I uh, create a market opportunity that, you know, find a space in a competitive market? So in our case, I mean, I knew that we could build it because I've built stuff before. I figured I could build a team between my business partner and I. We figured we could raise investment Mm -hmm. Um, and we knew from talking to startups that they would want it. But what I didn't know is maybe lawyers or investors would refuse to use the platform. Or maybe, you know, my goal was to, uh, you know, in the past, funding round or contracts are always custom created. But in order to mechanize that, you want to work out what's in common and create a simplified way, a templated way, in a sense, of uh, figuring out what most people are looking to do guide people to that and help everything work more efficiently. But Mm -hmm. what if it was the case that I'd have to ask you a thousand questions? No one could ever use the platform. Or what if investors would refuse? They would say, no, 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 we have to use a law firm. So for me, the proof points, and actually to come to the answer to your question, the difficult thing was all about um, not whether people would use it, but that the ecosystem would accept it. Mm-hmm. And and I should say, by the way, when I talk to founders and I look at their pitch decks and so on, I think that's something people often ignore. I think particularly when you're in a market that has entrenched existing players, so, for example, property or banking or something, you may have customers who might want it, but it may turn out you have to do deals with some of the incumbents in otherwise you'll just never find users and so on mm-hmm. that wasn't the problem we faced but anyway i was delighted that not only did investors accept it but they embraced it mm-hmm. so i think that was the one thing i think these days um you know i'm i'm, I'm honored that uh, we've got a fab team that business is growing um, we're 60 people now mm-hmm. uh, you know maybe the next uh, challenge that you have is if your vision was to disrupt an existing space, the question is how do you continue to be suitably disruptive yourself? On the one hand, if you just sit there polishing beautifully what you've built so far you're going to wake up one day and discover that someone's out-disrupted you. So in the same way, really, we've disrupted law firms. We have a beautiful machine interface that builds things in seconds that humans take days or weeks to do. What if one day we wake up and it turns out nobody's doing these kind of funding rounds because everyone's moved to, you know, smart contracts on the blockchain and we're building contracts for, like, the last age. We're dinosaurs. So... On the other hand, founders can often be tempted to get too far ahead of themselves and start wasting money on stupid stuff. And a great example for me is Snap with their Mm. idiotic glasses. I mean, you know, they've got a social network. What made them think that people are going to vending machines to buy, you know, augmented reality glasses? Mm. I mean... It was fun, you know, when you've raised billions, you can spend money on random stuff. Um, And it should have stayed as, you know, a little experiment, but they made far too much of it. And I think it was kind of, you know, losing the plot. There's a a saying, jump the shark. Mm -hmm. That's when you cross over from a sensible set of things to something crazy. So for me, I suppose the biggest... Challenge that, you know, as a company and personally, and with my business partner, we have on a daily basis is how do you figure the same set of things to do between gently growing the business, which, you know, ultimately is going to be problematic, versus wasting your time on crazy flights of fancy that uh, just suck up time, resource, and money and, you know, confuse everyone? This I don't know the answer to.
0: Okay. You were talking about disruption and the potential of seed legals to be disrupted one day. Who could such a disruptor be? Do you see like, for example, big uh, equity crowdfunding platforms um, partly as competitor, or would it be like another legal tech startup that has it has it more figured out like than you guys? who could disrupt you? Firstly, in my previous startups, I
1: always worried that Facebook, Twitter, whoever was going to you know disrupt my business and offer my entire business as like a new feature on their platform. Mm-hmm. And it turns out they never did. So I've learned, you know, look forward, don't keep looking behind you. Of course, always keep a healthy lookout in the rest of the market, that you shouldn't lose sleep wondering that some of the big boys will do what you're doing. And I guess the analogy in this case is, will law firms build, you know, seed legals themselves? But I realized that they won't for two reasons. One is, you know, law firms have got lots of lawyers, I've got lots of tech people. Tech people are completely different. You know, we run as a product, we look to see the minimum number of hours between a feature request and it being live. If a mm-hmm. user asks us for an improvement on the platform and it's a useful thing, it's the goal is to be live within 24 hours. You know, our goal is the minimum legals to solve a problem. Whereas lawyers think about things in a different way. But I must say, I've been really surprised that, you know, over the three years we've been in business, I've never seen somebody starting another seed Mm -hmm. legals of something. Mm -hmm. I think that most legal tech uh, companies are started by lawyers who are probably bored with doing the same thing again and again at law firms, and they look to create solutions for law firms. My goal is to create solutions for consumers, kind of a B2C. My consumer is another startup. Um, So I think actually my not being a lawyer, I'm not the lawyer, we employ lawyers, but Mm -hmm. my not being a lawyer, and my business partner not being a lawyer are actually really important in a sense, we naive to the space. And so we just Mm -hmm. think about what's, maybe it's like, uh, you know, the, the Tesla guys, they they never used to make cars. So they're Mm -hmm. not trying to preserve the history of a hundred years of car
0: making. They just go, what's the best way to get you from A to B? Let's Mm -hmm. rethink it. Yeah. And you probably also better understand the pain points of founders and investors better than lawyers, right?
1: Yeah, and, and I must say, I think, you know, a law firm, its goal is to create legal documents. Mm. My goal is to try and understand the problem space. And it turns out the solution, of course, involves some legal documents, mm. but that turns out to be only a small fraction of it. A lot of it is the workflow showing you the things to do, the data to show you Actually, 10% of the time you would select this. And if your investor asks for this, use this to push back. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, what's interesting, I think when you've got technology, it can also create a network effect where one didn't exist before. So for hundreds of years, people have gone to lawyers, and each deal has been an island as if no other deal had been made before. Mm-hmm. But because we've got a platform with normalized terms, we can see. Trends, we can feed back that information. We can mm-hmm. show you if the percent of rounds that decreased when COVID hit. Or, you know, interestingly, that we've seen recently, we still need to run the stats on it, is mm-hmm. that it seems that, um, you know, I asked our data team are companies stopping hiring? Mm -hmm. because of COVID. And it turns out there seems to have been some reduction, but it's picked up again. But what we noticed, and I'm not sure it's statistically valid yet, I need Mm -hmm. to do more work, but it seems that companies are continuing to hire core competency, in other words, tech, design, UX, product people, Mm -hmm. but less hiring, marketing, and customer support. Mm -hmm. And actually the core competency salaries are going up and the marketing and support are going down, mm-hmm. which seems to me to suggest that companies are going, OK, business is down. But what we're going to do is we figure things will pick up again. We're going to focus our time on building more products. And so when good times are back again, then we will you know, have an improved product and ready to go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think, by the way, that strategy is a good one if you think good times, will be back again soon. Mm -hmm. But actually, I'm wondering, um, I think COVID's going to be around for for yonks for Mm -hmm. ages. So my assumption is that it's going to be what I call continuous partial lockdown, as we have today. It goes up and goes down Mm. for the next year. So you should be assuming that whatever your business is like today, it's going to be the same for the next year. I mean, it could be less, it could be more, but that's my working assumption, which means that, you know, if your strategy was, I'll cut sales and marketing expensive to build more products, that only works if you can survive for a year or more. If you can't, maybe it's the wrong strategy and maybe you should be, in fact, working harder to sell what you've got rather than
0: making something for the future. Mm-hmm. Okay, you you already pointed it out a bit there. Um, So you saw a decrease in funding rounds uh, and funding amounts um, since COVID started, yeah?
1: Right, so that was very interesting. So, I mean, you know, we saw press reports that uh, investors were screwing founders on uh, valuations and so on. So, you know, we do over 100 funding rounds a month on seed legals. Mm -hmm. So we figured, um, you know, we'd run the data. And uh, it seems that what's interesting is, you know, if you have one VC in your round and the VC gets cold feet and bails, your round is dead. But -hmm. if you have a dozen angel investors and three of them disappear, no problem. You can just raise 30 percent less. Mm -hmm. So what we found is about. Uh, By looking at the number of investors on term sheets, signing term sheets, and the number of investors in a round, we found that the number decreased by 30% when COVID hit. Mm -hmm. So some investors were bailing out. But what we found is actually no real reduction in the number of funding rounds closed instead, or or in in the valuations, but instead people just raised less money with fewer investors at the same valuation Mm -hmm. and on seed legals we have a feature called rolling close so you can say i'll do my round now but be able to top up in the next 12 months or so so you don't need to keep doing funding rounds you can add investors in the last round and it's completely transformed the way startups raise investment in the uk Mm -hmm. there's more money now raised Outside of a funding round, in other words, before and after, then during a funding round, Mm -hmm. the funding round itself is a bit of a dinosaur. So what we found is people just changing their funding rounds. Instead of raising five hundred thousand pounds, I'm going to raise three hundred, close quickly, and then top up another two hundred. You know, when I find investors over the coming months. Mm -hmm. So. So I think that's, firstly, I was delighted that we had that solution and then, you know, also actually really delighted to see that the uh, startup world, at least in the UK, has not fallen apart. You know, last month was a record month for us and a record month that we've seen for funding rounds. So Mm -hmm. I think the, the lesson and my message for founders, you know, is as a startup founder, the one thing you don't have is the luxury of time. You know, if you're burning money each month, procrastination equals death. Mm-hmm. So you just cannot procrastinate. And when COVID arrived, you know, we all thought, well, is it here for two weeks? Is it for a month? But I mean, it's clear it's here for longer than the lifetime of most startups. Mm-hmm. So you should just act as if this is the new normal, waiting for it to end. For anyone who sat there waiting, whether it be a founder or an investor, It was obviously a terrible decision because you've just had to stop waiting because waiting, you'd be old and gray before things came back again. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the message is pivot your business to take advantage as much as you can of COVID, reduce your costs if necessary, make sure your pitch deck is not just acknowledging COVID but embracing it. You're going to show investors how, you know, your business is leveraging this opportunity Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be from work from home or your customers at home or you have an advantage over the existing players in the market, whatever it might be, um, or you reinventing your business. So, again, if I look at a slide deck these days and I see many, many pitch decks, you know, some of them just don't mention COVID. It's like pretends it doesn't exist. But mm-hmm. I think that's wrong. Some of them have got a little mention on one slide, you know, yeah, reduced for COVID. I think it should be, you know, like when you have a sale, end of year sale. I mean, you know, don't go crazy because COVID isn't pleasant. But, you know, um, uh, business plan updated, you know, to take advantage of COVID. You know, opportunity increases because of COVID. Switch to this plan because of COVID. So you're going to show me that you more than anyone else, if I'm the investor, are embracing the opportunity and and it and your business is going to be more investable than others as a result
0: mm-hmm. okay, speaking of opportunities at the future, what are the next milestones for seed legals, and where do you see your company in like three years from now in in terms of size, um, market reach, and impact? That's a
1: great point, so sort of the easiest metric, I suppose, in a sense, is the number of people in your business. But you don't aim as a business to just have more people unless your goal is to stimulate the economy. Your goal is to have more customers and have whatever your mission was change the world to be more advanced on that. So, I mean, we're probably twice the number of people now that we were at the beginning of the year. I would expect in a year's time, we're probably twice the number again. We're hiring one or two people a week at the moment. so. You know, as 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 a founder, of course, your challenge is, you know, the way a company's run with twenty people is different to sixty, is different to two hundred. I've no idea what the future will be there, but in terms of our mission, our mission is to be, you know, the operating system of your business, the twenty-four-seven platform that companies everywhere can run their business on. Mm -hmm. So for us, we started with, you know, startups in the UK. Our next one will be. SMEs small medium sized you know steady state larger businesses running their companies on our platform and then doing that globally mm-hmm. and then looking to create more on the investor side can we create secondary markets we haven't said we will yet but think about that how can we bring that liquidity to markets how can we leverage the data how can we help people get their investment, return on their investment more efficiently. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the things. Some of them are just too early
0: to talk about because they somewhere between action and thought experiment for now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So final question. Um, I saw that you also do some pitch deck review sessions. Um, and so for startups that are listening who might be interested in joining such a session or who want to learn more about seed legals, what's the best way for them to reach you? Right. So thank you. So I've got something, a series called Pitch
1: Deck Clinic. So Mm -hmm. what happened is people kept emailing me saying, Anthony, can you give me advice on my pitch deck? And of course, I love to do it. But as a founder, you know, there's like only 24 hours in the day, it's not scalable. So Mm -hmm. I had this idea that I would do a pitch deck review on air, so to speak. So so that the founder could benefit, but everyone could benefit. Mm -hmm. And my thought was, There are endless numbers of articles on how to create a great pitch deck, but they're mostly kind of useless because, you know, who cares what Uber's pitch deck is? It's totally irrelevant. Mm. You know, there was only one slide in Uber's pitch deck which was useful, which was the growth slide, and people spent, you know, invested billions. The rest of it could have had pictures of ducks, you know, it made Mm. no difference. So... Anyway, I, I decided to do the pitch deck clinic. And then I was wondering, you know, would it be, like, really, really boring? It turns out the feedback's great. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out to be kind of quite good television. For me, of course, it's difficult. I want to give great feedback. But, of course, I don't want to be, you know, say bad things about somebody's uh, pitch deck. Of mm-hmm. course, we always get their sign-off before anything goes on the internet. Mm-hmm. So, the, so the takeaway things are, one, you know, If you'd like some tips and thoughts on looking at other people's pitch decks and how an investor will see, you know, your pitch deck, head over to or just do a Google search on Seed Legal's pitch deck clinic. Mm -hmm. We'll go to the Seed Legal's resources investor hub and you'll find pitch deck clinic. Um, Mm -hmm. If you are a UK or a French company and your pitch deck is in English, drop me an email, Anthony at seedlegals.com. And if, if it makes sense, you know, if I can bring value and I can understand what you're doing, um, I would love to see if we can do a pitch deck clinic. Um, and regardless, would love to see if we can help, you know, on all the legals for your funding round or your share option
0: scheme for your team and so on. Mm-hmm. Sounds very good. So the links that you just mentioned, we will also integrate them in the show notes. So, so people can click through there very easily. Um, so it was a pleasure, Anthony. Thank you very much for your time. Great interview. Thank you so much. That was uh, those are fantastic questions. I
1: hope uh, that made some uh, fun listening as well. Thank you. Uh-huh. Bye bye.